Back to class. <clears throat> We'll be in Job chapter 1, Job chapter 1. This is a passage I was looking at several months ago and wanted to preach. And there's this time, there's times in uh, sermon prep where uh, sometimes God allows me to write an entire sermon and then tells me don't preach it, which I hate when that happens. But um, in this case, I was, it was a passage that I wanted to preach on, and uh, God just kind of moved me in a different direction. This would have been back in February. And, uh, and then this week, I uh, came back to it, and the Lord gave me permission to go ahead and speak on it. And, uh, you know, we're going through a lot right now. Everybody in the church... You probably don't know about everything, you know about some of it, uh, but there are, there are people going through it right now. And uh, that brings us to this passage. You know, sometimes, may that encourage you, I hope it does, um, you know, sometimes we're going through things and, we, man, we think it's just us. Um, it's not. <laughs> Everybody's got stuff going on. Um, everybody has hardships going on. Some going through it, maybe more than others, but there's family stuff, there's individual stuff, and that's why it's so important we're praying for each other. Uh, that is, there, there's constant things happening, and a lot of times you don't know about them. So be praying for each other, it's important. But in this passage here, we're going to look at, um, I've got three thoughts to look at today, and uh, surrounded about the idea of, in all of this, and all of this. Let's start in verse 13 to catch the context here uh, of what Job was going through. It says, And there was a day when his sons, Job's sons and his daughters, were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another. And he said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands, and fell upon the camels, and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another. And he said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Jacob arose, and he rent his mantle, and he shaved his head, and he fell down upon the ground, and he worshipped. And he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. In all of this, how do we respond in storms? How do we respond when hardships come? 
when things pile up one after another. We see how Job responded, and I pray it will help us to respond correctly as well. And that's what I want to look at today. Lord, I pray for your help as we look at this passage. And Job is such an intriguing story. Lord, we know Job was not perfect. But Lord, we know that Job did find favor with you. And even though he, though he went through so many hardships and all in just a matter of hours, things just continued to pile up. His response is something that we can learn from. And God, I pray that today we would leave encouraged by your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Such a great verse in verse 22 when we look at Job's response. In all of this, he sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. One of the things I want to remind us about today, number one, is hardships will come. Hardships will come. I use Job as a, it could be worse in my life. Uh, when I'm going through hardships and trials, I always look to Job and think it could be worse. Um, and that, that puts a little bit of light in my darkness. <laughs> um, I pray that there's never a day where I have to look at Job and think, I've got it worse than what he had. It's interesting, isn't it, where one right after another the news comes. It says that as the one servant was speaking, another one came and shared more bad news. And as he was still talking, another one came and shared more bad news. And as he was still talking, another one came and shared more bad news. And sometimes in life it feels that way, although rarely is it that, that bad. But we feel like it just kind of piles up. We've got to understand that hardships are going to come. John 16, says that in the world you shall have tribulations. It's coming. Hardships will come. They will not stop until our time on earth is done. Hardships are going to come. But I think it's important for us to understand that there is a time, there is a season, there is a reason. We don't always know the reason, but there is a reason for the trials that we face. If you want to hold your place in Job and flip over to Ecclesiastes, which is right after Proverbs, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I love this passage. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse number 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And then it lists a few things. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. We see here God giving to us the reminder that there is a time and a season for everything. When trials come, when hardships come, when tribulations come, we have to understand there's a reason. God is not ignorant of the trials you're going through. God is not 
uh, unknowing of the situation that you're in. But he tells us there's a time and a purpose for it all. Now again, you may ask, well, pastor, what's the purpose? I don't know. Um, (laughs) Oftentimes I don't. But there is. Do you believe God to be a God of truth? A God who does not lie? Uh, Do you believe God to be um, fulfilling of His promises? Do you look at the Bible and read Scripture and believe it to be God's Word and therefore truth? If you do, then it should help you in your hardship to know that God's aware of it. That God sees it. Because hardships are going to come. There's nothing we can do about that. Number two this morning, and we'll kind of come back to this, but number two this morning is how are you going to respond to the hardship? If we admit the fact, if we understand the fact that hardships are coming, and there's nothing I can do about it, so now I have to begin preparing for my response to the hardships when they come. It's interesting, isn't it, that Job receives all this news And it says there in verse 20, Job arose and he rent his mantle. He shaved his head. That's all signs of mourning. He fell to the ground and he worshipped. It's interesting to me at least because when I'm reading the verse, I expect the last word to be he mourned. And certainly he was sad. Certainly he was uh, grieving. Hence the renting of the mantle and the shaving of the head and the falling to the ground. But it says that he worshipped. And as he worshipped, he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked will I return thither. And the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In his loss, in his hardship, He worshiped God and he said, God, I came into this world with nothing. And I'm going to leave this world with nothing. You've given me so much and now you've seen fit to take away. And blessed be your name. What a mature response from Job. When we get, we are able to praise God for it. But when we lose... How do we respond? Job could say, Blessed be the name of the Lord because he understood God. And I've talked about this a lot. He understood who God was. And in retrospect, I guess he understood who he was. A lot of times maybe that's where we fail even more, not necessarily understanding who God is, but not understanding who we are compared to Almighty God. When we understand who God is, it it is amazing how much it helps us in our times of hardship. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens uh, are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Job didn't say, God, I don't understand. Why are you doing this to me? No, Job said, God, you understand. You know what you're doing. Blessed be your name. 
And a lot of times we focus on what we don't know versus what God does know. And when we not only know, but comprehend, uh, accept the fact that God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts, that God's ways are higher than my ways, that God knows more than I know, that God knows better than what I know, then when our hardships come, we can respond with, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Joseph is typically where I go to when talking about this topic of hardships. Again, you look at Joseph's life and everything that he went through uh, between his brothers, first of all, hating him. That's a mental beatdown every single day. Then a physical beatdown of his brothers uh, that threw him into a pit, sold him off into slavery. He goes into slavery and there he, he, he thrives. And then uh, his master's wife falsely accuses him because he did what was right and she didn't want him to do what was right. So he gets thrown into prison. He thrives in prison only to be left there when others were released. And eventually he's in a, in a position of authority and his brothers come and his brothers find out who he is and they're terrified that he's going to repay them what they're due. And Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. How was Joseph able to respond in such a positive way throughout all his hardships? He understood who God was. We don't see Joseph asking why. Now, did he? I don't know. Human nature would say at some point, you're going to say, God, what's going on? <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, I've, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've obeyed, and I've done good, and, and this is happening, and you know, you know, if it'd be okay, Lord, could you give me an answer? What, what's, what's going on? But from everything we read about Joseph, he was patient, faithful, trusting of God, and as he sat in his ivory palace on top of the world, he found out why. God had something for him. And all those years, again, from everything that we read, all those years where Joseph just said, God gives, God takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord, led to a result where he could look back and he could say, you know what, everything that was meant for evil by my brothers, and by Potiphar and his wife, and by the, uh, uh, the prisoners that I spent time with, God meant it all for good. And you look at Job's story, Job is being attacked by Satan. And yet Job is still able to sit here and say, everything that I've lost is all the things that God gave to me. Nothing that I earned on my own. God gave it. God took it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He knows better than I do. It's a hard place to be, but it's the best place to be. 2 Samuel twenty two thirty one 31 says, As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler or a shield to all them that trust Him. How are you going to respond when hardships come? Will you be like Job and say, Blessed be the name of the Lord? Will you be like uh, the prophet Isaiah who passed on the message, God's thoughts are higher than any person's thoughts. God's ways 
are better than any person's ways. Will you be like Joseph and look at the situation and say, I don't get it, but God means it for good. Do you believe that God's way is perfect? And that God is a protector to all them that trust Him? What does that mean, a protector? We, uh, we have a, an idea of what we want it to mean, right? Uh, we want a protector who doesn't allow any pain, who doesn't allow any hurt, who keeps us from any, uh, anything bad happening to us. I've learned in my old age uh, that a protector is, uh, in, when I'm speaking of God, is that it is whatever God decides it is. It doesn't, doesn't always work the way that I want it to work. I've done some stupid things in my life, um, one of which was I used to hunt snakes. And in Tennessee, we, had, uh, uh, we knew where there was a nest, rattlesnakes. And uh, so every summer, we'd take a group of guys. It was usually three or four of us that did it every year, and then we'd grab some new guys to let them enjoy the fun of it as well. And uh, we would walk up. Now, we would have a conversation. This would have been, I would have been uh, between ages 16 and 20 probably. And uh, so we would go up, and we would before we started walking down the, the area, we would, uh, uh, which is no longer there, by the way. They blew it up to put in a power line. But um, they, uh, we'd get to the top, we'd drive up to the top, and we'd walk down. And uh, we'd always tell the guys, especially the new guys, hey, here's the deal. Like, you know, this is going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. But you could die. So don't be stupid. All right? From this moment until the hunt is done, you need to have your eyes open. You need to look where you're stepping. You need to look beside the path. You need to listen. We're not going to be laughing and talking and stuff until this is over with. Like, as fun as this is going to be, this is incredibly dangerous. Uh, which is funny coming from 16-year-old Vince. But nonetheless, uh, we came walking down and we found the place. And we had all these tools. Uh, we had a, uh, a bar and uh, uh, shovels and uh, different, you know, different things. And, and then we would lift up a rock. as a massive rock. We'd pry it up. And then one person, two people would be on one side trying to push the snakes out the other side. And then everybody else would be there with shovels to go shpow as soon as they come out. And, uh, and so a protector in that situation is someone who's watching what I'm doing. And so if I get in trouble, I got someone there to protect me and, and, and help me out. And we had a system set up and everything like that. So we were as smart as you can be while being stupid at the same time. A protector, you know, we oftentimes think about it as someone who's, who's keeping an eye out for me. Well, that's what God does. The, the issue is, is that sometimes God allows hardship to hit. And when He does, it's not that God didn't protect. As a matter of fact, He's always protecting it's that he is protecting in his way. And we have a hard time accepting that. Now, if I was out there with, uh, with friends and, and I got bit by a rattlesnake because somebody was standing there and didn't do anything about it, and I said, why didn't you protect me? And he said, well, I am protecting you. See, I have this tourniquet, and we're going to 
tie it off here and then I'm going to suck the poison out of your leg and then uh, take you to the hospital. Well, I'd be thankful that they would do that, but I'd still be mad that they didn't protect me from getting bit. But you see, the people, especially the people I was with, are flawed. Me included. And God is not flawed. So when I look at, okay, God, why did you allow me to get bit? Because that's the natural response, right? God, why? Why did you allow this to happen? I'm talking to God as, as a, in a way that I view that he's flawed. That he made a mistake. I've been around a lot of friends that made mistakes that caused pain one way or another. God is not those people. Now you say, okay, pastor, explain to me why God allows, right, the the classic question, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? The honest truth is I don't know. I can talk you through some things and and try to give you some, some sense of it all, but the reality is when it comes down to it, I don't know. God uses it in different ways. But... The fact is, is I don't know, but here's what I do know. God is not flawed. God doesn't make mistakes. And God is not ignorant of what's going on. And I think it's interesting that here in verse 22, it says in all that Job, all this, Job sinned not. What's the first thing you do when hardship comes? You blame. Not everybody, I guess. Most of us. When hardships come, we begin to blame. We typically blame God. I've met so many people who've gone through hardships and they ran from God. One of my earliest experiences as a pastor was one of these situations. I didn't know what to do. I had a man who lost his wife suddenly out of nowhere. And he was heartbroken, obviously. She was a great lady. She was a Sunday school teacher in our church. and uh, Just a, a, a freak accident. And I remember visiting with him and sitting down with him, um, you know, the days, a couple of days after and through the funeral and the viewing and all that kind of stuff. And after the funeral, going over to his house and sitting with him and just sitting there thinking, man, as a 27-year-old kid... What do you say? So I began with just encouraging things, uh, you know, about God and um, God's comfort and those sorts of things. It didn't take long, though, that he decided to, to go away from God. He was angry, bitter, didn't understand. And I remember as a young pastor sitting there in his living room and saying to him, Listen, I I don't understand the grief you're going through. I've never experienced it. But that's no excuse for what you're doing. I'll tell you what's the hardest thing I ever did, even to this point in my life, talking to this man who was going down a very dangerous path, all because he was angry with God over the loss of his wife, and I watched him throw his life away. 
there were a few visits where I spent with him and I said, what you're doing is wrong. And he would say, I know. I said, listen, man, you got people who love you and care about you. He said, I know. I said, you're going to get to the point where there's going to be no turning back. Because in all of the storm that he went through, he sinned. I began to look at himself and what he could do to cope. What would numb him from his pain. And he chose sin over God. Job, in all of this, he sinned not. I'm telling you because when hardships come, whether they're here now or they're coming later, you're going to have a choice that you're going to have to make. And it is a choice. You choose how you respond. Are you going to sin or are you going to sin not? And again, I look at Job so far in my life and I always say, well, it could be worse. And look what Job went through. Which doesn't give me any excuses, right? Because Job went through all of this, the loss of everything that he owned, and worse of all, the loss of his children. And in all of this, he sinned not. Yet we, as American Christians today, we go through some of the smallest hardships and we sin. We get angry. But God says, no matter what happens in your life, don't sin. Stay with me. Let me help you. And Job was trusting in that help from God. Job was not trusting in his own understanding. Job was not trusting in uh, his own experiences even. He was just trusting that God knew best. That if God was willing to give him all those things, and God chose to take all those things away, he said, I'm just going to keep on trusting him. I'm not going to run. How will you respond when hardships come? The last thing I want to share with you today is, is a, in my opinion, one of the most comforting things. And that is, know that God cares. He says there in verse 22, not only did he sin not, nor charged God foolishly. He didn't blame God. He didn't, uh, he didn't look and, and, and scream at God and yell at God. He didn't say, God, this is your fault. Even though he says the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away, he didn't charge God foolishly. Why? Because he knew God cared. When we go through hardships, we have to know that God cares about us. The disciples were in a boat. Storm was hitting. God was, Christ was sleeping on the boat. And the disciples came downstairs and they woke up Jesus and they said, Careth thou not that we perish? Do you not care that we're about to die? They questioned whether or not God cared. If you remember the story of Jesus and his friend Lazarus, Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, 
So a messenger came and said, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. He's going to die soon. And the disciples said, all right, let's pack up and go. And Jesus said, not yet. He waited a few days and then made his journey. And when he arose, one of Lazarus' sisters ran out and said, had you been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And the Bible tells us that Jesus wept. He didn't shed a tear, he wept. He cared. Martha and Mary had to go through pain. Lazarus had to go through a circumstance that led to his death. And Christ had a friend who suffered and died. And he had friends who were grieving over the loss of their brother. And he cared. Many times throughout Christ's life, we read that Christ looked out and had compassion. Compassion on the multitudes because they had a sheep without a shepherd. Compassion on the sick. Compassion on the lame. Compassion on the deaf. Compassion on the blind. Christ cares. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. God says you're not alone. I care about you. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I'll strengthen you, I'll help you. I will uphold you with my righteousness. God cares. We're going to go through painful experiences. And we're going to go through some trying times. How are you going to respond? This response of Job to me is just eye-opening. It teaches me so much. He understood in verse 21 that God gave him everything that he had. We talk about this when we talk about tithing. People say, well, you know, I can't give too much because I worked hard for that money. When you understand that God's the one that gave it to you, it makes it a lot easier to give it back to God. But the reality is it's not just money. It's anything that we own, anything that we have, from material possessions to family to anything else. Job said, man, I came into this world with nothing. And I'm going to die one day, and I ain't taking nothing with me. Taking anything with me. Sorry, grammar people. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. And he sinned not, and he did not charge God foolishly. And I believe the reason why is because he understood who God was, and that God's thoughts were higher than his, and God's ways were higher than his, and that he believed that God's way was perfect, and that God would be a buckler, a shield to him if he just trusted in him.
Job didn't have the Scriptures. He didn't have a book full of God's words to be able to read and depend on. He just had God. And that was enough. So often we just we do so differently than what Job did. We get angry and bitter and we blame God and we fear. <clears throat> we trust on our own strength. But may we know that God cares about us and that because He cares about us, He is with us. He will strengthen us. He will help us and He will uphold us. I don't believe it's wrong to ask God why. I believe we can do it in the wrong, wrong attitude. But I don't think it's wrong to ask God why. And God's not always going to tell you why. So if you're going to ask God why, you better be willing to accept the fact that He may not tell you. And you're going to have to make the choice. Will you be like Job and sin not? Or charge God foolishly? Or will you be the average Christian who out of fear runs from God, blames God, questions God in a way that uh, treats God as if He doesn't understand? Job grieved but he also worshipped. My goal in the month of April was to focus on that word worship. We've looked at it once, but... Even in his grief, he looked to God and he said, God, you're above all else. How about you? If I were to ask you individually today, do you believe God is better than anything else? You would all say yes. But how you respond in hardship sometimes proves otherwise. How I respond in hardship sometimes proves otherwise. But in all of this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. I don't know if you can take comfort as I do in Job's story and understanding that I haven't had it near as bad as Job had it. Gee, it gets worse for Job, doesn't it? You know the story. Job ends up being physically under torment. And I look at Job and I say, well, God, thank you for at least not doing, allowing to happen to me what you allowed to happen to Job. But I also look and think, man, if I could experience God the way Job did. If I could love God the way Job did. If I could trust God the way Job did. Man, my life would be a lot better. It's going to come. The storm, the storm is coming. How will you respond? 
it will help if you understand that God cares. You're not alone. So trust Him, depend on Him, lean on Him, and let God do for you what He did for Job and what He's done for so many who have followed Him, trusted Him, depended on Him. And understand that God knows best. He knows what He's doing. I may not be able to explain it to you. God may choose to not explain it to you, but He knows best. Trust Him. Read in the Bible someone who trusted God and it didn't turn out well. You won't find it. But you have to make the choice in your own life. How will you respond? If you're not going through a hardship now, you better decide now how you're going to respond when it comes because it's coming. If you are going through a hardship now and you're not responding the right way, well, now's the time to change. Trust God and let Him do for you what He promises that He'll do for you. It will be best. Lord, help us. I think through different instances in my life where my response wasn't like Job's. And still a few instances in my life where I have not had the answer as to why it happened. But God help me and help us to respond the right way. God may we understand who you are and what you're capable of. May we trust in you with all our heart and lean not on our own understandings. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in our storms, in our trials, in our hardships. Help us to stay faithful to you. And God, I pray and ask, God, that you will respond, that you will help, that you will comfort, that you will guide And God, as we've seen so many examples throughout Scripture, that we'd come out on the other end understanding even more just how great you are. So help us, Lord, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning,